Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. I got it. Got what? The patrolman. Lines. The muddy lines. Muddy lines, huh? All in favor, say aye. Aye. That's a clip from Troop 491, The Adventures of the Muddy Lions. It was released in 2013 and played at Movieland for five weeks. Today's guest is the director, Prahim, a Richmond native who's now in L.A. going for it. And we have lots to catch up on. Sifter Review of the Week. I love that for you on Hulu. Anyone who watched Saturday Night Live from 2010 to 2017 will recognize Vanessa Bayer. She's parlayed her unique, hesitant, big-smile style into this new series, where she plays a woman eager for a job on a national shopping channel. Once she gets the gig, it comes out that she has cancer. This is based partially on Bayer's own experience with childhood leukemia. The twist is, she doesn't really have cancer, which results in her obvious dilemma between truth and success. Bayer's character takes full advantage of her comic awkwardness to the point of sometimes inducing cringes. Fellow SNL alum Molly Shannon adds to the fun, while Jennifer Lewis, as the CEO, makes a wonderfully wicked boss. They're definitely funny moments and enjoyable characters, but each episode has its own elements that give the show a deeper dramatic effect. Although Bayer doesn't stray from her SNL style, it provides her with a delightful new oddball in an amusing and sweet series. I gave it four out of five stars. Prahim, welcome to Richmond via Zoom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back home. I know you're out in L.A. actually at the moment. I noticed that you got your master's degree in filmmaking from Florida State University in Tallahassee, and I was born in Williston. Have you ever heard of that? No, I'm not familiar with Williston. Nobody has. It's amazing. It's very close to Tallahassee, but nobody's ever heard of it. Anyway, now I know your name originally was Patrick Ricks, and you go by Prahim as a director. What was the change about? So when I was younger, probably in like middle school, I came up with the name Prahim and it was like what I used when I would write short stories, when I would write poetry. And so it's always just been an idea that I had that whenever I would get into the film industry, I would just go creatively uh, by this pen name of Prahim. And then uh -huh. when I got to college, I joined a fraternity and they kind of gave me a little bit more meaning to my name. And so the name means keeper of the light. And then by the time I got to Florida State, I was like, all right, I know that there's probably like five or six different Patricks here at this university, uh, a lot of them being uh, white. And oftentimes when you go to the white schools, you'll turn into Black Patrick. Black Patrick. <laughs> I was like, all right, not interested in being Black Patrick. So <laughs> when I went to school, I was like, all right, I'm now going to professionally go by Prahim only. It took a while because oftentimes people would say Prahim Ricks or, you know, you put it up on the website, you have to have a last name. Right. Uh, so it's gone through a lot of variations, but professionally, it's just Prahim. Prophetic Productions is my film company. So on Facebook, you may see like Prahim Prophet. Is there a meaning behind that? Does it stand for something or is it just something you picked out of the blue? The meaning is the keeper of the light. And right. that okay. is when I created it in middle school, it was just like a, a challenge between me and one of my friends. And it was like, hey, if you could be a Greek god or an African god and you could change it, create a name, what would your name be? And when I was in the eighth grade, the name that I came up with was Prahim. It just, it felt very like big and authoritative and unique. Ah, cool. Great. I think great. I might've been inspired by like Radio Raheem from the Spike Lee movies or right. some of the different types of hemes that were in school with me. 
So I know that you are out in LA and I know that you primarily make your business running a cannabis dispensary. What's that all about? And are you stoned now? No, I, <laughs> I, you know, maybe if you caught me about six months ago, I might've said yes, but I've actually taken like a little hiatus on smoking and consuming as much as I did. I haven't. <laughs> oh, well, it's a beautiful plant and brings so much happiness to everybody. So I definitely understand. So when I moved out here, I had a fraternity brother who was working in the cannabis industry and he just reached out to me. He was like, hey, are you looking for work? At the time, I was just looking for part-time work, took the job. And next thing I know, I was in there working full-time. So our company is called Goddess Delivers. We specialize in next business day delivery all throughout the state of California. And wow. so I've been with the company for about seven years now. Um, and I worked my way up from like an entry level position. And, and now I'm the general manager at the company. And so definitely allows me the ability to bring in funds and revenue so that I can afford to live in California. I think a lot of people come yeah. out here with the hope and the dream that their career is going to take off overnight. Right. Um, but, you know, doing independent work, you also need to be able to have funds to pay for, for the work that you want to create. Uh, the job has been good to me. It's allowed me to take off time to go work on films in Virginia. We came back and worked on Burning Sands. I uh, made another short film that my job allowed me to take off to do. Now, you mentioned three of those movies that we're going to get to in a minute. But first of all, what got you into movies? What made you think, OK, I'm going to be a director? I feel like in middle school, that's when they first start asking you, like, what do you want to do? What, right. what do you want to have as a career and I feel like for the most part I thought I was going to play basketball I was I wanted to be in the NBA and then out of nowhere here comes this guy LeBron James who's the same age as me and he's the high school phenomenon who is clearly better than most adults and I was seeing him and seeing the success that he was having I was like oh I don't know if I'm that good if basketball is going to be a reality for me and right. so after that, I needed to think about, well, what can I do outside of basketball? What are some of my passions? What are the things that I enjoy doing? And at that time, I enjoyed writing short stories and poetry. I enjoyed photography, taking pictures, and I loved music. I had an appreciation for music. And when I found out that all of these things merged into the film industry, I was hooked. I'd already loved going to the movies and watching movies with my family. Um, I was deeply inspired by Spike Lee. And so Finding out that there was a career that kind of merged all of those things and seeing that there were Black successful people in that industry, I, I set my eyes on filmmaking. And ever since I was in high school, I've kind of just been moving in that direction and uh, trying to follow the path of other filmmakers behind me, which means going to school, getting an education, and then going out into the world and, and attempting to create. And the movie that some Richmonders may know you from, because it played at Criterion Cinema there at Movieland for a while, was Troop 491, The Adventures of Muddy Lions. Surprise guest drop-in. It looks like it's Brenda's popping up there. It is Brenda popping up, Miss Brenda Williams. Hello. Hey, Hi. Brenda, what's happening? Footnote. Brenda Williams was the general manager of Movieland from 2011 to 2017. How was that experience, Brenda, when his movie played there? This is my favorite experience, and I don't even think I ever even talked to Prahim about this, but, you know, I dealt with a lot of filmmakers when I was at the theater, independent filmmakers that had their movies play there. It was one day Prahim bought the movie by. It was the first time that I was going to see it, but he also had a few people there to view the film also. I'm watching this film like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. But what was so amazing about it is that 
I know Pahim at that point had watched the film so many times. And I thought he would be on his phone or, you know, doing business. But I remember glancing over a few times at him and he's literally watching the film with us. Right. And I was like, that is amazing that he cares so much about this film that I've seen it so many times, but is still sitting in the theater watching it with us right, and right. not taking his eyes off it. It did pretty well there, didn't it? It did. It lasted at Criterion for five weeks at that time. It was the number one movie that I played at that cinema. Wow. Brahim, what do you have to say to Brenda about her help in getting you started with that? Oh, man, I have so much love and appreciation for Brenda. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, I would stick around at the theater and wait for people to come out of the screenings and, you know, just shake their hands, maybe even have some T-shirts or things like that for sale. And I remember oftentimes just having a lot of personal conversations with Brenda, getting to know her, talking about her love for movies, my love for movies. And just so you know, like movies typically don't last in theaters for five weeks. Right. But I mean, even just like you said, Brenda, even just the last a week or have a solid run in a, in a week is a is a victory for independent filmmakers. Because so often we don't get to see our movies on the big screen. Right. And so that was a blessing to have Muddy Lions showcase on the big screen and, you know, just be able to have a, a location that supported indie filmmaking like that was truly a blessing. That's great. Well, Brenda, I know that you have food poisoning. Oh, no. But you muscled through because you wanted to surprise Prahim with this. So I'm going to let you go so you can go back and lie down or whatever you're going to do. But thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. I miss seeing you here in Richmond when I go to movie land. And I'm sure you'll enjoy the next time you see Prahim out there. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. All right. We'll, we'll talk soon. Hopefully you feel better. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Brenda. She was supposed to be in Richmond now, actually, and she was going to do it from oh, here. festival. Yeah, she was coming for Riff, and she was supposed to come in Tuesday night, and she sent me a note and said, I'm not going to be able to make it. And then she sent me a note. Actually, Ethan, the new manager, sent me a note and said, she's got food poisoning. She's not going to make it. And I said, look, if you can't do today, that's fine. She said, no, I want to do it for Prahim, so I'll be there. So she's great. I love Brenda. So, of course, we met when the movie premiered there. The full title, by the way, is Troop 491, The Adventures of Muddy Lions. And I did a sifter feature on it, which is on my website, and I'll include a link with this podcast. Tell us the inspiration behind Troop 491, The Adventures of Muddy Lions. Where did that come from? When I got out of graduate school from Florida State, I moved back home to Richmond and was living with my father. And I was desperately looking for something that I could make and create rather quickly because at film school, they always say that, you know, it takes about 10 years for a filmmaker to graduate and get to making their first film. I didn't want to wait that long. Right. And so one of my friends approached me with the idea of like, hey, why don't you tell a story similar to how we grew up about a group of kids who went to school together, they went to church together, and they were all in the scouts. And that really just sparked something uh, with my creativity. And so we took that idea, uh, took about a year of crafting the story and trying to figure out like how it can be creative, but also serve a purpose for the next generation. So as the writing process went along, it became an opportunity to kind of share the values and the principles that I've gained from scouting, from my families, and kind of pass those on to the next generation of youth. And I know that uh, actually it went on to some success after criterion didn't it yeah we had a lot of great success um so after the five-week run it went out on television we had it premiere on up tv and then after that we 
did the festival circuits, went all around the country showing the movie. We went overseas to London, Trinidad and Tobago. And then eventually we had a distribution deal where it made it on to Tubi TV and Amazon Prime. And so that's kind of where it is right now. And we've also put it up on YouTube so that it's available for everybody to see at this point. Because to me, at, at this point, it's all about the views and having more people see the work and hopefully get familiar with the talented actors who are involved with it and, and want to see more from myself as well. Right, right. And I'll have a link to that on the webpage. But now I think I read somewhere too that the Boy Scouts actually got involved in using it. Yes, yes. We actually partnered with the Boy Scouts for, you know, a brief moment, maybe like a year or two, where they were utilizing the movie as a way to recruit more Blacks and minorities into scouting. We actually went to a couple of schools, showed the film, and then immediately afterwards, they would have a sign up for who would be interested in the Boy Scouts. The amount of students who wanted to sign up for the Boy Scouts after seeing the film was overwhelming wow. because those kids were able to see themselves in the movies and, sure. and, and be able to say like, oh, this is something that could benefit. And, you know, for a lot of people, scouting can just be like a fun activity. But a lot of kids who are in the inner cities, scouting can actually save your life, keeps you out of trouble and keeps you occupied with promising things that are going to be beneficial for you in the long run. So it was that was also like pretty mind blowing to see it go from that idea and then to see the Boy Scouts using it to help young minorities. That to me was priceless. Amazing. Yeah, to see that kind of result. Now, let's back up. I know that you were raised here in Richmond and you went to community high school. What are some of your fond memories of Richmond as a child or as a young person? Uh, Richmond, still so much love and appreciation for that city. Uh, I'm a proud product of the Richmond Public School System, Community High School, Benford. Uh, a lot of my fondest memories probably come from like Benford. A lot of my close friends are still out of that middle school group. How did you get from graduate school to Los Angeles? Well, I feel like the Muddy Lions was a big part of that push because I was trying to figure out distribution and trying to figure out how to make a bigger splash in the film industry. And Richmond had been so good to me, but I knew I, I wanted to reach more people. So I went out to Los Angeles to try to get distribution, try to meet more people in the film industry. 2015, I, I packed up my car. I uh, had a film festival that we were taking the Muddy Lions to uh, for Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham. Drove down there to Birmingham, and then after the film festival, drove across country to Los Angeles. Wow. And you just got out there and went for it. I had some friends and family who were able to support me so that when I did move out here, I had a place to stay for at least the first three to four months. Uh, actually, one of my close friends, her name is Melissa, goes by Mel Jones. She's a successful producer. Uh, and is from Richmond, Virginia as well. She went to Hermitage High and also went to Howard University with me. But she's done a lot of amazing production. But she was the lead producer on Burning Sands and part of the reason why that came to Richmond as well. Tell us a little bit about Burning Sands, because I know you were the locations manager on that, and it's now on Netflix. Yes, yeah, so that is a Netflix film. And that film was, it was about hazing at a in a Black fraternity and just kind of the the trials and tribulations that go along with trying to join a fraternity and what happens when there's no oversight and things are done incorrectly and someone's life is put in jeopardy. And so we actually shot that at Virginia State University mostly. When yeah. was that? What year was that? For like maybe 2006, 2007. Oh, wow. A while back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
And then I know there's another thing on your resume, Black and Sexy TV's Hello Cupid 3.0. And I watched a little bit of that and it's a dating show, but is it scripted or is it a reality or is it a little bit of both? What's the deal with uh, Hello Cupid? So that's actually a scripted television show. So Black and Sexy TV is a dope company out here in Los Angeles. They create their own television content. They actually saw my work with Stuck. A lot of those actors have worked with them in the past. And, you know, I've reached out to them trying to see if I could get distribution or have Stuck be played on their channel. They really enjoyed the movie. And when they told me about this television series that they were working on, they wanted to see if I could come on board to co-direct it. But yes, it is a scripted show that follows this couple who is trying to basically cheat a dating service by going on there, acting as if they're complete strangers and trying to win money to go for a big honeymoon. And in their process of going on the show, they end up finding that they may have more chemistry with some of the other people, the other contestants that they're dating. Yeah. And you mentioned Stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> okay. Look, if you're looking for round three, you're going to need to give me a second. All right. I got a rebound. You know what I mean? Uh, no, no, no. Seriously, I'm stuck. Uh, ah, okay. Oh, it was made here in 2017. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's got a pretty interesting background and kind of an interesting subject, actually. Stuck was so much fun, and it was such a pleasure to come back to Richmond and film that, utilize a lot of friends and family for support. But Stuck the Film is about two strangers who hook up for a one-night stand, and they become physically wedged in the act of having sex. And their only path to separate is to get to know one another. Right. And so the film actually stars the talented Javicia Leslie and Hottie Williams. Javicia Leslie is currently the Batwoman on CW. And so right. um, just to see the talented actors continue to, to build and grow their careers has been amazing. Wanted to make something that would make people laugh. It's really just a fun film. And it was another opportunity just to be creative. Now let's move to where you're headed next, Walking Under the Influence. What's that about and where is it at this point? Uh, so Walking Under the Influence is a R-rated comedy. Think Super Bad meets Hangover meets Friday. Um, it's about a mildly depressed college graduate who moves back home with his parents in a small town. And his best friends are trying to come back home to take him out and celebrate and, and get him out of his funk when there's announced that there's a citywide DUI checkpoint that's going to get in the way of them having their fun. So they decide that they're going to walk to this club where they're trying to get to for the night and all these different obstacles are in their way. Is this based on your past too, or is this totally fiction? Totally fiction, but I think we've all at some point in our in our lives have had to figure out like how can we get to where we're trying to go in life and with influences, whether, you know, we're influenced by our jobs or we're influenced by our families and our peers, or whether we're dealing with drugs or substance abuse and things like that. So it's really talking about like that feeling of graduating and having the whole world in front of you and trying to figure out what's next. Uh, so it is loosely based on, on some personal things, but really, Again, just another opportunity to make up things and be creative and tell a story that's going to make people laugh. What's the progress on it right now? We're still fundraising. We have a GoFundMe link. I'll have that link on the website too, by the way. Okay, perfect. And so we're still raising money. We're at about $83,000 and we're pushing to try to make a dent and make uh, about $100,000 
Uh, we're still looking for investors and still putting our team together. Right now, we're we're having a debate with the creative team as far as do we want to film it in Tallahassee? Uh, my film school has an alumni program where we can take advantage of using their equipment oh, wow. and resources or also looking at possibly coming back to Richmond to film it in Richmond and be able to bring some more cinematic art to the city of Richmond and utilize all of the great talent that is in the, in Richmond. So right now we're still debating on where exactly we're going to film it, but it's looking like it's going to be summer of 2023 now. Uh-huh. Well, we'll have to get Andy Edmonds to talk to you about some of those Virginia film incentives too. I think a lot of the incentives, you have to have a budget of over $250,000. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Now, as somebody who grew up in Richmond and then you were out in LA for all of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you watched what was happening back here with Black Lives Matter and, of course, Monument Avenue and all that. What was your reaction? Did you get involved at all long distance or did you just kind of watch it from afar? Or I was definitely involved long distance. I have one of my friends, Clifford Chambliss, um, who's actually the young man I mentioned who suggested the idea that we create this story about the Boy Scouts. He was actually featured in a newspaper. He was holding this billboard that said rumors of war and you know, I, I tried to replicate his billboard and then do some more protest out here in Los Angeles. But I loved what I was seeing when it came to the monuments, because even when we were in the Boy Scouts growing up, that movie was based off of a real troop uh, and a real church from Providence Park Baptist Church. Was there a number actually 941? Or did yeah, it's they... the real yeah, troop 491 the real based wow. out of Providence Park Baptist Church. And so when we were in the Boy Scouts, it was called the Robert E. Lee Council. Wow. And we hated it. Never enjoyed having that Robert E. Lee patch. I think now it's like the Greater Council of Virginia or something now. But to see them take down the Robert E. Lee statue, that was something that we all, I, me and my family always wanted because driving down that monument street, it was kind of oppressive to have these giant Confederate statues looming down at you everywhere you go. My father would always say, you know, that they were put there to kind of keep Black people in check and to make sure that Black people knew their place in the city of Richmond. Um, so I thought it was great that they rallied together to get those statues kind of moved. And again, these statues belong in a museum. That's where right. they belong. They right. shouldn't have to be in a place where they are offending people. When you think of Richmond, you think of the capital of the Confederacy. Right. You think of some of its dark past of Richmond being the capital of the domestic slave trade. Right. Um, but growing up in here, for me, it was empowering to know what the history of the city was, what the history of Virginia was. Right. And it is remarkable that it is changing. And I think that it's a testament of the community leaders and the people on the ground actually pushing the community to make a change. Because again, it's a city that is very diverse. It's constantly changing. There's so many newcomers we don't want to be stuck in the past and stuck in the negative part of the past. The past right. is what it is. It should be studied. It should be learned from, but it shouldn't be looming over people, making them feel like there's no progress coming. So now the question I want to ask you, what are you watching right now? Ooh, so many good things on the television. It's nonstop, it's also, isn't it? It's scary because it's, as a creator, it's, a, it's like a beautiful thing because there's so many different opportunities and places for you to get your work out. But it is so much content. Yeah. One of the best movies I've seen in quite some time was Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. You like that uh, one, huh? Loved a it. lot of people love that one. It didn't quite work for me, but it's very popular. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. 
recently on Amazon Prime, I watched this film called Emergency. It had some similar themes to what we're working on with Walking Under Influence. So that was part of the reason why I went to watch it with Pleasantly surprised. Definitely very different. I actually reviewed that. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because they promoted that as a, if you look at the trailer, they promoted it as a comedy. You know, these three guys. It's a, and yeah. it's it's not at all. It becomes a very heavy drama about racism, which is fine, but it's kind of like yeah. a little bait and switch there. And that's the weird thing. So it's, a, it's definitely genre bending. It still has comedic tones. Right. But it definitely turns into like a suspense almost like a thriller where it's like at a certain point you're on the edge of your seat like all right what's gonna happen you would think you could just pick up the phone call the police get this resolved but unfortunately we know in this country with the way that the world reacts to possible sexual abuse men women our interactions and then you sprinkle a little race on there right that there is that fear of i don't want to be accused that we did something worse that was really uh, refreshing. I want to go see Jurassic Park. I'm still a sucker for popcorn <laughs> movies yep, uh, that yep. you can just go in. and Don't go this weekend because you won't be able to get a decent seat. Wait a week or two is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I definitely want to wait and make sure because this COVID is still real. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm not like surrounded by 100 right. people. I've been watching Yellow Jackets on Showtime. That's a pretty wild show, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's different. I like I like when starts out as like this, from what I thought it was going to be like just a survival thriller, and now it seems to have like some more mysticism and something else is going on. Yeah, we'll have to wait till season two to find out. Oh man, is it going to do it like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's, season one's done. Yeah, yeah I haven't yeah. finished the season yet. Well, you you'll be left with a cliffhanger. So it's another show on Showtime. I don't want to get the name wrong, but it's I think it's the man who fell from the man sky. who fell to earth. So I've been enjoying that as well. Did you ever see the original one with David Bowie? No. This is kind of a sequel in a way. It's a series, of course, but it's a sequel because actually you remember Bill Nighy, who's in that one, the old white mm -hmm. guy. He yeah. is supposed to be the David Bowie character from the first movie that was made in the 70s. Okay, so he's the first alien that arrived. Right, and then uh, the, the, the new guy has been sent because that guy never finished anything. Yeah, so I watch a little bit of everything. I'm like everybody yeah. else. I'm just kind of consuming. At, at a certain point, I'm going to have to turn off the TV so I can get back into the creating mode just because you find yourself spending so much time watching other people's work. You, yeah, you yeah. forget to put in the time and the energy to create your own art out here yeah, as well. Yeah. That's a perfect excuse to let you get back to work. Awesome. I want to thank you so much. It's been great to see you again after these few years and keep me posted on what's going to happen with Walking Under the Influence. And we will have links to all those things on the webpage. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate you. That was Prahim, Richmond native and director who's now in L.A. There are links to Muddy Lions, his short and more on the podcast webpage at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. Lightyear, Pixar's origin story of Buzz Lightyear, the star of Toy Story. Brian and Charles, after a harsh winter, a man decides to build his own funky but lovable robot in this English comedy. Cha-Cha Real Smooth, a young man working at a bar mitzvah becomes friends with a mother, Dakota Johnson, and her autistic daughter. Also on Apple TV Plus. TV and streaming. Iron Chef, Quest for an Iron Legend on Netflix. God's Favorite Idiot, also on Netflix, Melissa McCarthy stars as a tech support worker who becomes God's messenger. Love Victor on Hulu, the third season about a gay high school student. 
Father of the Bride on HBO. Andy Garcia and his Cuban-American family meet the Mexican family of their groom. The Old Man on Paramount Plus and FX. Jeff Bridges stars as a former CIA officer who's on the run. Rutherford Falls returns on Peacock for a second season. The Summer I Turned Pretty on Amazon, the latest Jenny Han adaptation about a love triangle between a girl and two brothers. Spiderhead on Netflix, Chris Hemsworth stars in a sci-fi drama about a medical experiment where the patient's emotions are controlled by drugs. Good luck to you, Leo Gron. On Hulu, Emma Thompson stars as a widow who hires a sex worker to give her the orgasms she never had. Jerry and Marge go large on Paramount+. Plus. Brian Cranston and Annette Bening star as a couple who win the lottery and use it to revive their small town, based on a true story. On the 19th, Animal Kingdom, the juicy drama about a California crime family, returns to TNT. Next week is the director of an upcoming CNN documentary on another Richmond native. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.